This is the Franchise QB Podcast, where we empower entrepreneurs to win big in franchising. We huddle up weekly to educate our audience about the most successful small business model ever created, franchising. Welcome to the Franchise QB Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Halpern, a 20-year industry veteran and entrepreneur. My mission is for listeners to achieve their American dreams of creating wealth and independence through franchise ownership. Every week, we speak with franchisees, franchisors, or vendors that support the industry. Thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Joining us in the huddle today is Brian Lowe, CEO and President of BML Public Relations. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Great. So how did you get into public relations? So, you know, I think I'm one of the lucky ones that sort of fell into my passion. Um, you know, I went to a small undergrad in, uh, in, in Vermont, and I remember, uh, you know, I was a general communications major and wasn't really sure exactly the path I was going to go down. And my advisor he came up to me one day and just said, you'd be good at public relations and there's, you know, a, a PR chair vacant on the, the student government. So you should consider that. Um, and from there, you know, again, if, if I didn't have that conversation with him that day, God knows where I would have wound up. Um, but, uh, but definitely, uh, fell into PR kind of accidentally, um, and, you know, had uh, right out of college, ended up grabbing a, a, a PR job at, you know, a couple agencies that I had short stints at, cause it was just kind of blah, uh, until I, I found an agency that was, you know, a lot of fun and, uh, and really where I cut my teeth in PR. Gotcha. Very cool. Thanks for that background. So, um, when you were doing the agency work, what kind of clients did you work with back in the day? Yeah, so back in the day, the, the, the place that I really, again, kind of cut my teeth on uh, was a place where, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to work with some, some iconic brands. So I came up, you know, in, in the agency world, repping uh, Disney and Oreos, Campbell Soup, Progressive Insurance, Verizon, and on and on. So I really got a, an opportunity to look inside some of the biggest, most iconic brands uh, in America, if not the world. Um, and see how they operate and see, see how everything, you know, works behind the scenes and then, and then be part of that planning and be part of that strategy. So, um, you know, so that was really interesting. Um, but then I, you know, when I started my firm, um, you know, for me, it was, I was, you know, this was 17 years ago. So I was uh, 26, 27 years old. I kind of burned out in the big agency world, to be honest right. with you. Um, and started my firm with a $300 press release project. Um, you know, I grew up in a family business and I knew that I wanted to be a business owner in, 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 in something, uh, wasn't interested in the family business, um, necessarily, but, uh, but yeah, basically started this thing with a side gig for 300 bucks and have grown it over the years to represent a mix of national and regional powerhouse brands across uh, a bunch of great categories that, uh, and with franchising, certainly being front and center. Yeah, I want to get to franchising in a minute. So, I mean, it's really cool that early on in your career, you get to work with some of those names that are household names that you see on TV all the time. Everyone's familiar with those those concepts and those brands. And then you you mentioned that you started your own firm, which is BML. So what was the impetus to kind of go out on your own? You mentioned that $300 press release project. So like, what was the moment you're like, you know what, I'm all in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be self-employed. You and I happened to start our businesses at the same time. When my son was born in 06, that's when I left my employer and decided to give it a shot. And I'm like, hey, I'm all in because I have another mouth to feed. Um, but what was the moment you're like, this is what I have to try out and see if it works? Yeah. So, um, 
you know, honestly, I was killing myself <laughs> for somebody else. Um, you know, and, and, and again, it was a great, a great experience. Um, that agency, I'm still very closely connected with, and all the senior guys over there, and 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 everyone was incredible. But again, more growing up in a family business, I think feeling like. You know, again, although that was, you know, family business can be a tough road to run down. You know, it's it's very tough to manage, you know, family employees and non-family employees. And there's an interesting dynamic that, that and challenging dynamic that takes place. But for me, I think it was, you know, uh, hey, I'm I'm 26. I'm not married. I don't have a mortgage. No kids yet. Um, Good time and, to take a shot. Yeah, let's give it a go. And worst case scenario, I'll get a job somewhere else. And it just happened to uh, to, to to gain some traction and, and work out for me. Good for you, man. That entrepreneurial itch kind of came through and has obviously been working. So you talked a little bit about franchise clients and obviously being on the Franchise QB podcast, that is our niche. Um, how did that start? Did you start with repping local franchise owners? Did you start working with a franchisor? How did it your PR business crossover into the franchise space? So that's one of the things that it's a great question. And that's one of the things that I think is, um, is incredible about kind of the model of franchising. So, yeah. So, you know, started out um, with a couple of small clients through friends of friends, met somebody, uh, a company that happened to be a, of the franchisee that was bringing smash burger to New Jersey. Okay. Um, so through a lot of the work we did for, for, for that client, um, they ended up opening, uh, 13 or 14 Smashburger locations. And that brand was on fire at the time. It was on um, fire. I remember that quite a bit. Yeah, I spent they, a lot of my career in food. So totally. Yeah, they were, they were doing great. It was, the concept was great. Um, you know, and, and, and the franchise partner was, was an awesome client, just a really good guy. Um, and so through that, you know, it was, I think, you know, it was one of those things where we started the kinds of promotions at the time, at least with the media landscape and with the vibe of the world, you know, was, was different then. Um, we just took an approach of let's generate as much publicity as we can, not just for driving people through the door, but like, let's have some fun. Um, and so a lot of the fun promotions started getting, you know, it were this small agency in New Jersey at the time. And, and uh, so, so the corporate team out in Colorado where Smashburger was based was seeing all these Google alerts coming in with all these, you know, fun and creative kind of promotions that we were coming up with and great media coverage as a result of it. Um, it eventually, we got the knock on the door from the corporate office. So, you know, I'm always a big believer in as much as we love to work with franchisors, um, we work with a lot of multi-unit franchise companies. And, and the reality is we've seen significant growth in our business because of, of not just working with a franchisee and a franchisor knocking on the door, but we're also working, we've done a significant amount of work and still do with the Applebee's system. Uh, we picked up one of our largest clients because we were doing work for a smaller Applebee's franchisee. And the big dog knocked on the door and said, we want you to do that for us. So, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. Can I ask about that? Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're referencing the Flynn Group, which is the world's largest franchisee, period. Uh, they have thousands of locations in multiple states. They're in many industry categories, clearly uh, casual dining and, and other types of food concepts. So, um, you know, what kind of services did you or do you provide for them? And how did that relationship begin? It was basically they saw the progress you were making with the smaller owner and they said, hey, let's give you a shot and kind of see how you can help us, you know, um, with public relations with our, our models. 
Absolutely. So, so one of their marketing people who has just since retired at the end of 2023, um, she was incredible to work with. We've been them. I've been with uh, Flynn Group now, uh, I think, for about 10 years. Um, and yeah, I mean, the services are really, you know, the franchisor level really creates a lot of different promotions and, and, and rollouts and launches and things. And, you know, those are launched at the national level. Um, from there, what we really do is we try and take a lot of those promotions and, and, and uh, campaigns and we then take them to the local markets. So we're pitching, you know, local food writers, uh, morning shows, um, you know, regional business stories related to acquisitions. Um, so we basically take it to that next level um, that hopefully reaches the consumers in the markets where our, our brick and mortar locations are, which in theory, uh, you know, helps drive them or, or, or pull them through the door, the door, depending on what the promotion is. Yeah. And just to kind of give context, some of the brands that the Flynn Group operate, you mentioned Applebee's, Arby's, Taco Bell, Panera, Pizza Hut, Wendy's, 44 states. So that's a pretty large operation. Um, and it seems like the primary objective with, you know, a franchise owner is going to get, you know, bodies in the door. Bodies in the door, creating promotions that, you know, well, first of all, it's about generating publicity, right? To make sure we're looking to plant the bug in consumers' ear that, hey, don't forget, we we exist. Hey, don't forget, here's what we're doing. Um, because, you know, nobody's going to turn off a TV, close a newspaper, close a browser and say, I need this right now. But the point is when the consumer is ready and they have a need, hey, we're going to go out to dinner this weekend. Where should we go? In theory, you know, we've just kind of planted a, a bug in their ear. And, and ideally, we become, you know, the option or at least in the consideration set if we're not the place they walk through the door. And the, and the key with PR with that is consistency. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't get them every time, but, you know, you, 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 you try and keep that consistency going so you get the most of the time. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So let's take a step back at a higher level and discuss what public relations is and how it benefits franchise concepts. So, yeah, you know, public relations really means different things to different people. But I think the simplified definition is it's really disseminating the information to the public to influence their perception, right, or drive action. So, you know, marketers, you know, we talk about influencers uh, all the time, but, you know, from my seat, uh, this is one of the things that I've been touting over the last, uh, geez, handful of years is that PR people, we are the old school, we are the OG influencers, right? <laughs> so since, you know, P.T. Barnum, it's all about, you know, spreading the word, uh, creating the perception, driving reputation, all of those things, right? So the goal of PR in general really is to inform, educate, or entertain the general public, um, you know, tied to your brand or offering. So, you know, that's how we significantly, it, it really can significantly benefit franchise concepts and enhance the brand visibility. It helps build trust among consumers. It helps attract potential franchisees and investors. So, you know, we're always talking about it's not just consumer focused. Everyone is a consumer, right? Whether you're reading trade, business, consumer, um, everyone is, is, is a consumer and, and is a target for the types of concepts that we work with. So it also helps. So, so we speak to multiple audiences and in theory, we want somebody to see a business story about a client as well as see a consumer uh, story. And then, you know, if they're relevant in the trade, they see something in the trade. We're looking to hit them at every every touch point that we can. Um, you know, PR is also one of those things that helps maintain a positive brand image. Uh, it fosters community relationships. It can also address negative publicity effect effectively. So, you know, I think for us, we're looking to project a brand um, a brand image or, you know, information about a brand specific, specific to what they're doing. We're looking to project that to reach 
our audience, but we are also in many ways looking to protect the brand as well. So, um, so there's, there's a lot really going on under that umbrella, um, but it really is, it's a very cost effective. It's not just because it's what I sell. If you look across the board at like marketing tactics and the marketing mix, it's a really efficient, effective bang for your buck because you can tell stories all day long. Uh, you can right. constantly try and, and generate publicity that relays, you know, creates stories that generates messaging, which hopefully creates that action and drives people through the door. Yeah, and I think those stories help create momentum. And when you have a brand that has a good story and it has momentum, whether you're looking to invest in that franchise system as an entrepreneur or you're a consumer that's going to frequent that establishment, um, I think PR plays a role in both of those sides, like you said before. And, and you mentioned consistency. That's got to be a huge part of the mix because the message gets lost if it's not reinforced. So I can see you know, if you have effective methods to kind of keep that brand top of mind and be creative with it, it could be great for the, you know, the franchise owner that's looking to drive traffic and sales. And then also the franchise system that's looking to attract great owners to kind of build the, build the brand. Yeah. And when you look at franchisees as well, right. Potential investors, right. These, these guys, you know, they're saying, Hey, I've got money and I want to opt into a system. And how well is that system going to support us? You know, is it or is it just I buy the, the rights to, you know, to, to all the, the trademarked assets and then I'm on my own. So yeah. that's where, you know, I think that it's definitely a development tool um, significantly. We do a lot of developmental PR to, to make sure that, you know, if, if people are putting their toe in the water and considering buying into a franchise, that they see a ton of media coverage because it makes them at least realize, OK, great. These guys, these guys are moving. There's momentum and it's consistent. Um, you know, and then the one last thing to your point, right, is the consistency. Of, there's nothing that's a quick flash in the pan that is going to get you to the promised land in any way. Sure. Right. So at the end of the day, that consistent visibility and media outlets that your customers consume, you know, that's how you remain top of mind. And, and, and from a consistency standpoint, our strategy is always to to put you where kind of fish where the fish are. Right. So, you know, with the exception of Vogue or maybe the Super Bowl. Right. So like nobody's ever closed a magazine or turned off the TV and said, wow, those ads were incredible. Um, PR is what gets you to where people are going to find the latest and greatest. So New York Times, if you're if you're a single restaurant in New York City, you're just one location. Uh, you're vying for The New York Times restaurant review uh, because that's where people are going to, to, to figure out what's the latest and greatest to go. So it's, it's very similar and it, it, it adapts to franchisees as well. Very cool. So yeah, let's drill down further on that. So, you know, a franchisee joins a system, they're looking to kind of be in the limelight. How do franchise owners at the store level leverage PR to attract customers, build sales and scale their business? What kind of methods do you use in your agency to kind of achieve those goals? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, you know, look, brand storytelling is, is really important. Um, and, and that's really leveraging. Like, like, again, we started off this interview and I gave you the background on, on you know, the, which helped build my credibility, right? What, what's my experience? Where have I been? Where are the successes? Um, brand storytelling, you want to be able to, you know, craft compelling narratives about the franchise, for either the franchise origin or the franchisee's story. Um, you know, the origins, the values, the achievements, um, you want to connect those with the audiences and build a, pro a positive brand image. So it's a way for you to showcase really uh, successful franchises through PR efforts. You know, you want to highlight those stories. Um, you want to talk about those achievements and attract potential franchise partners and instill the confidence in the brand and, and continue to build it. 
Um, so storytelling is great. You know, a hard, I think a thing that is also can be challenging for franchisors sometimes, and, and we've seen it work really, really well when you, when you put in the right uh, process, is really, listen, there are incredible stories happening in these franchise systems every single day that the franchisors may never know about. Right. Um, you know, it could be as simple as if we had an Applebee's manager who just in his free time, he was a guy, he was a, an overweight guy at one point, decided to take up long distance running. And here at a location in New Jersey, he ran a hundred miles to raise money for kids' cancer, cancer wow, charity. That's awesome. that's um, you know, yeah. I mean, so, so it was like one of those things where that story kind of bubbled up to the surface because we had, you know, we were kind of always trying to, 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 to say, Hey, listen, we need to, let's extract some of these things that are happening at the local level. And, and we've gotten some great mileage out of it, not just mileage for publicity, uh, and not mileage as a pun because of how long you run. <laughs> but this guy was able to also raise a significant amount of money because of the publicity that we we supported him with. Um, and our client made a donation, you know, to to support the cause as well. So there are great stories like that in every system. And it's, you know, really trying to to, to, to leverage the different layers uh, between the franchisor and the store level to really try and extract those. Um, you know, it, it's hard, but the, the rewards will be there if you're able to do it. Yeah, very cool. That, that's really neat. So um, we talked about the positive side of PR. Obviously, things sometimes don't happen that way. And, um, you know, there's obviously ways to leverage PR for growth. But what happens when things go bad? Um, how can PR help in a crisis? How can PR help in a crisis? So, you know, that's where you, you look when a crisis happens, um, you know, you want to first of all, before a crisis happens, you really want to try and develop a, a proactive crisis communication plan to address any negative situations properly. You want to maintain that transparency and you want to mitigate that potential damage uh, to the franchise's reputation. So, you know, a lot of systems will come in um, if they don't already have protocols in place. We try and put together, um, you know, a, a, a committee that everyone is activated when there's a crisis situation. Uh, that means everyone gets on, on a call. We review uh, review all the all the available information. We review the, the the status of injuries or damages. We look at um, surveillance footage. Um, from there, we also cooperate with local authorities, assuming that they're involved, if they're involved, um, and try to support it any way we can. Um, you know, the, it's really important that you know you have to have those pro protocols in place when it hits the fan, because what happens is people start running people start running way too fast. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to make sure that there are effective protocols in place should a negative situation arise. How exactly from a blanketed standpoint, do you, do you manage it? That all depends on the type of situation. But the point is, the point is that, look, you, you, you never lie. Um, you always want to cooperate. You want to be transparent. If you made a mistake, you, you acknowledge the mistake or, 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 you know, you look at Starbucks years ago, had a, had a great situation where um, not a great situation it was a horrible situation, but they handled it incredibly because they shut every location and decided to retrain the staff uh, related to the situation, which I believe was a, a discrimination situation. Um, you know, so when you look at how now that was a horrible situation that PR wanted to also protect the brand. Sure. And you get to a point where you say the best solution and the best option is to really step back and do the right things, right? And that and and to do that, they put they put the right thing over profits. They closed for those days and they emphasized, you know, the, the training, which was which was huge and I think was something that really helped them get through that difficult time. 
Yeah, it demonstrates that they care about, um, you know, fixing the mistake, acknowledging the mistake, looking it in the eye and making a change and putting their money where their mouth is, taking revenue out of the system to fix the problem before they kind of fire operations back up. And, you know, to me, um, I spent a lot of years in the food space and I'm sure many of us that can think, you know, five, 10 years back, remember, you know, the issue with Subway and their spokesperson, Jared, and then sure. the issues with Papa John's, uh, with John Schnatter. And those things happen and they're terrible things, but there's still innocent franchisees that can have a lot of problems with their sales and revenues and being boycotted by groups. And, you know, that's not what you want for your, your business. Um, so having PR there, I can see, can be really effective in kind of riding the ship and getting these brands back on track. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. So, like, who makes a good client for you? I mean, if I own one restaurant or one home service territory, like, am I a good client for you? Do I need to scale to a certain level of locations before it makes sense to engage your services? Who do you look for in a really good client that you think you can be really effective at helping them get their messaging out and kind of promoting their business and, and showing them some ROI? Yeah. So I think that, um, look, I think it varies. I think it, de it depends on the concept. I mean, we typically work with multi-unit, uh, either we either work with franchise or, or, or multi-unit franchise, uh, companies, okay. uh, operators, because, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, just the, the single locations don't necessarily have the budget to, to mm -hmm. do it. Um, or sometimes it's, it, it can be, you know, they're already, they're still working with operations and smoothing out a lot of things, hopefully to, to, to kind of chart, a. a a growth path. Um, so for us, I think, you know, it's definitely, um, it's definitely franchisors and multi-unit. However, you know, for me, it's, it's important that to be a resource to, to, to people in general. So if there's anyone who needs, uh, yeah, needs a PR perspective, I'm happy to, to always discuss that with them, point them in the right direction, whether that means that we get them on board or not. Um, you know, simple, simple things too, right? Making sure that, um, you know, like some of the things that we're talking about, you know, here on the podcast today, um, that we're just giving them some pointers to, to, to help them succeed because in, in theory, hopefully they grow that system. When they grow that system and it's the right size for us, we'd love to help them continue that trajectory. So for us, I think it, it varies, but I think the great news in general is that franchise concepts have so much news. I think there's more news than people realize. There are master franchise agreements. There are now opening, there's the, there's this cadence of signing sure. the lease, the master franchise agreement, the, the hiring the grand openings, the, you know, various promotions, creative promotions, um, you know, there, there's so much that can be packed into the calendar year. And, and again, which is great from, of all the industries we work in, that's one of the things I love most about, about the franchise space. There's so much news. And when we talk about consistency being key, there's never a shortage of, of things to promote in the franchise space. So, um, so, but back to your original question, you know, again, anyone who's looking for for a, a perspective or needs a little hand or just needs, you know, we're not we're not going to pull out the invoice and, and hit them over the head with it. Um, happy to have those conversations be a resource because we want to make sure people people get it right first of all for for the sake of their brand. And on top of that, there's a lot of confusion between what PR is and what advertising is, and we want to make sure that we can show people some really great things. It doesn't always have to come down to an agency. Um, there are great ways that people can can leverage PR on their own. Some of the things we mentioned earlier, but creative, as I mentioned, leaning into creative while so many brands differ, connecting with your target audience differently than your category, um, than your category can typically be a way to stand out. 
Creative is a huge way, especially for brands that don't have the blank checks. Not that any are really writing those these days, but um, for a blank check, uh, for, for any of those who don't have the blank check, creative is a great way to kind of get around that, right? To do something fun, do something smart, do something impactful, make people think something profound. Um, that's another great tool. So, um, so again, we we work with systems of all size sizes, but but like I said, I'm most most interested in, in helping people just um, embrace PR, leverage it properly, and uh, and reap all the benefits. Yeah, and I think there's um, obviously when something opens up, it's a grand opening. There's a lot of kind of hype around it. It's kind of the new thing, but then that fades over time, and I think that's where PR really can step in. You talked about the consistency of messaging and just kind of keeping top of mind. And there's so many ways to do it if you build out a calendar. And that's really hard to do for an operator, whether it's food or something else, where they're like focused on managing their team, making sure the quality is consistent and having a professional that comes in and kind of oversees that side of the business is a great way to leverage what you guys do to kind of have a great outcome, which is kind of more customers, more attention, more sales, and, and hopefully better margin. So that, that all makes sense to me. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground here with, with public relations. So I appreciate that, Brian. Anything else that we missed that you want to add to the mix before we wrap up? You know, what, one of the last things I'll just say, too, is, is as you mentioned, it can be it can be challenging for those for, for a lot of different sized organizations. Right. Um, one of the key things, though, is leverage social as well. Social media and PR really go hand in hand, but also make sure you have consistency in voice. There's nothing worse than when we see a brand out in the in the media space kind of communicating one thing. And then on social, you see kind of a different vibe, a different tone, a different voice. So just make sure as you're as you're mapping all these things out, you've got consistency in brand voice. It's 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 one of those things where, um, you know, it's, it's noticeable when when you don't. So. Um, listen, I, I appreciate, you know, you having me on, Mike, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and like I said, if, if anyone's interested or needs, um, it's just, a, just a little counsel, a little point in the right direction. Don't hesitate to reach out, um, uh, to, to, to me or, and, and, uh, you can reach us through bmlpr.com, um, and, uh, track us down. We'd be happy to help. Yeah. And also if you want to connect with Brian, um, you can also contact me at FranchiseQB.com or on Twitter at QBFranchiseQB to discuss any franchise-related uh, PR services. And Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time to get in the huddle with us and talk about BML public relations. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Franchise QB podcast, where you're at the helm of your future as a franchise owner. If you enjoyed the content, please rate the show and recommend it to anyone that might be interested in franchising. Make sure to visit FranchiseQB.com to subscribe to my newsletter and for an actionable playbook to go from walk-on to legend in your new business. Follow us on Twitter at QBFranchiseQB and join us every week for a new episode. See you next time. Visit FranchiseQB.com to take the next step of your journey towards wealth, independence, and franchise ownership. And remember... When working for the man gets old, you must do something bold. Thank you for listening.